Well, good morning to you. Yeah. Uh, Everybody doing okay today? Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Well, so around our house, uh, if we've never met before, my name is Jake, and uh, around our house... uh, We've just kind of fallen in uh, out of rhythm of, with exercise and eating the way that we, we would like to eat. And so, uh, sorry, let me say that another way. We're eating the way we would like to eat, which is why we kind of feel uh, a little out of shape and out of sorts. And so uh, Jenny on Friday night and I were discussing and we said, you know, like a lot of us do, this is like our New Year's Eve, okay? Friday was our New Year's Eve. Monday's our New Year's Day. We made a resolution. We're going to get we're going to get healthy. We're going to get right. It's a new season for us, all right? And so, uh, yeah, yeah. Be careful what you cheer for here. Um, so it's always easy to make that commitment, right? When you're full, uh, we come back from a wedding Friday night. We had pizza. Uh, we were full, and we were like, yes. We're not going to eat like this anymore. It's nice the last <laughs> night, okay? Uh, and then I, I woke up on Saturday, and I was thinking about our commitment, and I was like, man, I really, I really want to see us often do this well, and I'm thinking of ways that I, I, we could do this as a, as a family. Um, and so all of us need to do something with weight. The two young kids, they need to gain weight. Uh, not, I mean, just in natural progression. They're not unhealthy, but... We don't want to see Ben lose 20 pounds, okay? <laughs> uh, ben and Hadley, they need to, they, they need to continue growing. Uh, Jenny and I are interested in getting in better shape. And so I'm thinking, well, how can we do this together, all of us together? And so I thought, uh, uh, yeah, it's a family thing, right? And so uh, I, I thought, okay, let's go to the library. It'll be a, we can walk to the library from our house. It was nice outside. We'll walk to the library. We'll gather some books on, like, a nutrition plan. Uh, because a lot of times you say, I'm going to eat right, but you don't know how to start, and you got to like, you got to reshop and get all the right groceries, all that stuff, right? So I thought, man, it would be good. Let's just travel down to the to the library together. The kids will like it. We'll get the kids situated in the library with toys and books and stuff that they have down there, and then Jenny and I can begin to look at uh, books to help us, to guide us. And uh, Jenny loved this plan. She was all in on this plan. She wanted to get a head start before we walk down to the library. So she jumps on Amazon, and she begins to look at all of these books. And uh, she's starting to text me. I know, we text each other in the same house. That's, that's probably bad. That's a judgment on us. But I'm downstairs watching baseball, okay, making poor nutritional choices, getting ready for Monday. And, uh, and, and Jenny is upstairs in the room resting during uh, the kids' nap time. And she's researching books and sending me text messages of the books that we're going to get at the library. And one in particular, she says, look at the reviews of this book. I can't believe the life transformation that's happening in these people's lives. And, uh, of course, I said, okay, I'll look at it. Never looked at it, all right? Did look at it. An hour later, Jenny comes bounding down the stairs. She is so excited for the new plan that we're going to start on Monday. And uh, she comes into, into the, uh, the living room downstairs, plops on the recliner, and says, did you look at that book? It's like, uh, I haven't had a chance yet. I'm busy watching baseball. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, she's like, this is going to change everything, Jake. And she proceeds to let me know that starting tomorrow for the next six weeks, we're going to be vegan. 
<laughs> Lord, have mercy. Pray for us. We're going to give it a shot. Six weeks of, you know, if you don't know what vegan is, that's if it comes from an animal, it doesn't, it doesn't enter the home, okay? So, or the mouth, or on the body, if, yeah, uh, woo, Lord have mercy. Yeah, like you can't use soap. Did you know that when you signed us up for the vegan plan? I'm just, I, I'm just, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. I'm getting a death glare. But hey, pray for us. We're, we're going to give our shot at being Lord at mercy. The whole reason I wanted to go to the library is so we didn't do something extreme like this. Uh, six weeks. We can do anything for six weeks. If you have your Bibles, <laughs> with that introduction, open, open up to Acts, Acts chapter 4, verse 5. Acts chapter 4, verse 5. Uh, I've, had a, I've had a rough go at it this morning picking uh, translations, and so uh, the translation on the screen is in NRSV, and I'm reading out of NLT. Sorry, Chuck, I just couldn't get it right this morning. Uh, I thought I was out of NRSV, and I'm not. So it will be slightly different than what's up on the screen, but that's okay. Just follow along uh, the best you can. The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Uh, Annas, the high priest, was there, along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest. They brought in two disciples uh, and demanded, By what power or in whose name have you healed this crippled beggar? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified by whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in Scripture where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Do you know how the term can of corn came to be? Have you ever heard the term can of corn? It's a baseball term that's used when an outfielder or a high pop fly is made and even an infielder will come underneath it and they have all day to wait for it. And they say, ah, that's a can of corn. Anybody ever heard that term? Yeah, it's a baseball term. Does anyone know where it came from? Well, Stefan's mouth, yeah, because he's a baseball nut, and so that's where you know it came from. Uh, can of corn. Uh, it came from back mid-century time is when they begin to use that uh, in the grocery stores. Uh, the uh, grocery stalker. What do they call that person? Um, stalker. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, and so the uh, stock person would walk the aisles and uh, they would uh, begin to take uh, the old items off, off the shelf and put new items up. And they would have a big stick that they would use on the very top shelf that was too tall for them. And they, like in the, the can aisle where the corn would be, they would knock the old can of corn off, catch it, and put the new can of corn back on. And that's how the term came from can of corn. It's like a grocery uh, stock person going into the aisle, knocking the can off and being right there below. It's an easy catch, can of corn. These names and terms, they have meaning, right? Names like your name. How many people here 
have a name that is like a deep significance, a, a deep meaning. Besides the fact every, everybody's name means something, but do you carry on a namesake? Anybody here? Deep meaning? A few? A handful? Grace? You have a, you have a beautiful name. I can imagine what grace and the meaning of that may carry. Uh, I was having breakfast with Will Chambers a while back ago, and Will is sitting over here, if you don't know Will, and uh, Will began to tell me that, that his son's name, Liam, is, is, that's not his given name. His given name is William Chambers IV. William Chambers V, you're the fourth. I had no idea. I didn't know. So you can imagine that little Liam, if you don't know Liam, he's a little, cute little blonde-headed boy uh, that runs around here. He'll be in here, here in a minute running around. And uh, uh, Liam is precious, and I did not know he was the fifth. And so obviously his name carries meaning, and I was so excited to learn about uh, learn about Williams or Liam's name that uh, he came over to my house. We were watching the kids one day and he came over and I had just learned about it. And I said, Liam, I know all about your name. And he goes, yeah. I said, I, your name's not Liam. Your name is William Chambers V. And he goes, yeah. <laughs> I said, that is wonderful. And Lizzie was there. And I said, Lizzie, I learned about your name. Your name is Elizabeth. And he said, yeah. And uh, she has special meaning in her name as well. And so I was telling, I was so excited about all I learned. And Liam goes, you have a J in your name. And I said, you're right, I do. And he goes, you have a K in your name too. I said, whoa, yeah, you're right. And he goes, my name is Jake Edwards. And he goes, uh, you have an M in your name as well. And I said, M. Uh, I said, Liam, where do, you get, where do you get an M at? And he took his little cursed finger right up to my forehead. And he goes, right there, an M. <laughs> and I backhanded him. No, I'm just not. <laughs> yeah, true story. That happened. That was awesome. Uh, real awesome. Oh, I'm deeply depressed. Uh, our name, scary name, my, my dad in 1982 was on a, a mission trip in uh, Belize, in the uh, Central American country, Belize, and he was down there on a mission trip, and uh, he got off the plane and uh, immediately met a, a young man who was five years old and had no place to live, and for the 10 days that my dad was in Belize, he said that him and this young man, they lived together uh, pretty much all 10 days. Everywhere dad would go, this young man would go. His mom was a prostitute uh, that prostituted out of a city that was neighboring, and so he didn't even live in the same town as his mom, obviously didn't know who his dad was. And uh, uh, shortly upon finding this young man, uh, dad learned that he, he lived off the trash. That's how he found his meals. And so, uh, man, you can just imagine, maybe some of you have gone uh, to places where you've encountered similar poverty and have built relationships with those people. My dad's heart was absolutely broken for this young man. And, uh, and so he just, they just lived together. Ten days, everything dad did, this young man did with him. Uh, and at the end of the trip, the young boy comes up to dad and says, can you put me in your suitcase and can you take me home with you? I know. And uh, uh, obviously no, right? And on the way home, there's a, uh, my folks lived in Indiana at that time, and there was a layover in Houston on their way back to Indianapolis. And my dad, via a payphone, um, that's, never mind. Um, 
uh, <laughs> via a real, real, real old first version cell phone. He, uh, you'd have to put money in it. That's why they called it a payphone. He would call. Uh, he called my mom and he said, "Sarah, I, uh, this this next child that that she was, however many months pregnant at that point, but this next child, if it's a boy, uh, I I, I want to name." I want to name him after this kid I met. And so, uh, and so then on October 29th, 1982, uh, when I greeted the world, I, I think I'm a boy, I was a boy, and uh, uh, I got the name <laughs> Jacob Detroit Edwards. I'm named after this young man in Belize. Um, everywhere I go, this young man now comes with me. And so... Uh, I, in some ways, feel like I have a responsibility um, to tell this story, to live into that name. I love that name. I tried to go by it in college, um, but it was so weird that people, they said the word Detroit, they were looking for someone with a little bit different pigmentation than what I had, and uh, it, never, it never fit. No one ever wanted to call me Detroit, so I, I went with Jake instead. But I carry on this name of meaning with me, um, this deep significance. Uh, there's power actually, in the story of Detroit and my father. There's a powerful story of compassion and a powerful story of presence and hope. Um, there's a powerful story of Christian mission, and it's all buried within my name. If I just tell the story of my name, then the power of the story lives within the telling of it, right? Um, uh, and I, I'm imagining that each one of you, though there's only like four of you that raised your hands, I imagine that if you don't know the power of your name, that your, that your mom or dad could tell you the power of your name. I, there's, there's not one kid, right? The parents in the room, is anyone that, that named their kid say, yeah, there's no power there. It's just a name. Heck no. There's no mother that has ever named a child. Even if it was a random name that they got in the moment, it now carries great significance, right? Because it belongs to a person. Luke writes two books. He writes the book of Luke. Probably couldn't imagine that. Writes the book of Luke, and then he also writes the book of Acts. So there's, it's the same, it's like the same story. It just carries on. It's part one, it's part two, right? So the story of Acts that we read from this morning is written by Luke, and he writes about Peter, right? Peter, he heals this, uh, uh, this lame beggar, and then shows up in the courts to defend his actions, uh, where do we see uh, Peter at the end of the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke? What has Peter done at the tail end of Jesus' story? He's standing probably in the same courts. He's standing probably in the same space. And they're talking about the name of Jesus. But what is Peter doing? Does anybody remember this story? It happens three times. What does he do? He denies it. Man. Yeah, he denies knowing him. Someone says, hey, the name of Jesus. And and Peter's like, oh, scared to death of it, right? Because of all of the political tension and the, the angst that is surrounding that moment. And don't you know Jesus? And Peter says, what? No. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. You're the only one that knows the story in this room. Uh, and so uh, uh, they said, don't you know Jesus? Are you sure you're not? I think I saw you with Jesus. Don't you belong to Jesus? And each time, uh, the answer is no. Each time Peter says, what? No, okay, five people now know the story. Uh, uh, what in the world has happened? It's the same Peter standing in the same place. And now he's throwing around that name like it's candy. What has happened in the life of Peter? 
what has changed for Peter that now this name carries such power and such weight? The text that we read this morning says that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit in which he had power. The name of Jesus now carried such power that when Peter utters it, talk about redemption story, right? Being from the one who cowers at the name to now he's using it with such power. People are brought back to life at the very utterance of this name. In Exodus 20, Ten Commandments are given. We're told not to take the name of God in vain. And in fact, the name of God became so precious and so mighty to these people that they wouldn't even utter it. The presence of God so powerful that they tried to contain it. But yet this very simple, uneducated man standing back in the place of his sin is now living with such power. Something has happened that not only is he uttering the name, but he's introducing them to the very presence in which they were afraid to encounter. And it's filling everything with life and with power. You know that clerk, the one who goes down, or that stalker, the one who goes down the aisle and knocks off the can of corn and catches it puts the can of corn back on the pole, puts a new, fresh one up there. That this person walking down the grocery store aisle reminded me of God this week, reminded me of heaven this week, I guess. And we're more like the stock person, I thought, walking down the heavenly aisles of the things that God has. If God had a grocery store of things that God blesses us with, I'm asking you a question and would enjoy your response. What, what things would be in God's grocery store. I talked to one person about this this week, and we concluded that there would be a whole aisle dedicated solely to discernment. <laughs> and, we'll, and, and we go down with our little pole, and we knock off some discernment when we need it, and we catch it, and we, we use it, and then when we need something else, maybe mercy, maybe there's a small little aisle of mercy, and you get mercy. And What else would be in God's grocery store? Peace, yeah, 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 what else? Forgiveness, yeah. Someone said, Donnie, what did you say? Oh, healing, yeah, 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 yeah. Have you prayed for someone this week and you prayed that God would give them what? Wisdom, yeah, I bet there's a whole, there's probably two aisles of just nothing but boxes of wisdom, right? Yeah, you imagine that this grocery store just goes on for eternity, right? of all the things that God has with it. It's like heaven. And our prayers are like those prayers that go into that aisle and pray and look and point and find and say, ooh, I found the quinoa. Finally, yes. God, (laughs) I found the answer. (laughs) It's going to be a lot of quinoa in my future. (laughs) I found, I found the answer, Lord. I just need that. What, what, that, that right there, grace. God, that's grace. Lord, can you just give me grace today? Father, can you just give me healing today? Lord, can you just give me power today? I just need some power, some strength, some confidence, right? And we have this huge grocery list in which we approach God, and we're so excited. But, but what happens when we stand there with our little pole at Nile where it's out of stock? We're praying. 
praying for peace and we just cannot find it. We're searching the aisle and it's just not there. We think we go to where we thought it was, but that aisle is bare. And we're really reaching out and we're really wanting to some, this gift from the outside to come breaking in to us, just to drop down from the top aisle and give it to us, you know. Some sort of understanding, some sort of clarity, maybe reconciliation, and it's not happening. Or maybe will. Has anyone in this room ever prayed for God's will? Oh, you should hang out with a teenager if you haven't. Wanting to know what God's will is for our life, and you're waiting to receive it, and yet it just doesn't seem like the manager of this grocery store cares to stock that item anymore. Because there just doesn't seem to be enough of it. And they're wanting to know what happened to the manager. Where in the world is the one that's responsible for will? And why doesn't he come down here and give me some of it? Where is he at? You got your little stockpole. You're ready. And it just never seems to come. Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. I wonder if he prayed before he went into the, uh, back into the courtroom area, the courtyard, where he had once tragically betrayed Jesus. If he went back and before he talked, he said, now listen, God, I'm really nervous. Would you please provide for me the right words to say in this moment? You know, if he prayed that prayer or if he didn't, we don't, I'm not privy to it. We don't know really what Peter had to say. What we know instead is that God, if he has a grocery store full of attributes and characteristics, that that grocery store was living more on the inside of Peter than it was living on the outside of Peter. And it wasn't something in which he traveled to the next town over or he made a pilgrimage to a temple or went right up close to the, the, the holies of the holies. It's not some sort of place in which he had to travel to find the presence of God and then ask God to give him the attributes in which he needed in the moment. No, the attributes lived on the, something had happened to Peter and the attributes now lived on the inside and he didn't have to do anything but reach on the inside and call from within the inside of himself. The power of the one who lives in mercy and healing and grace and forgiveness and restoration. It's like the very God who sources this material was within him like a fountain that never stopped. An outflow of everything Peter needed for the moment. Instead of, God, would you bless me with your power? I call upon the power that is within me. Something has radically changed Peter that he doesn't have to travel to hopefully find what he needs in the moment. He can call directly from within. Power. What else changes? Trust. Trust changes. Peter courageously defends Jesus because he believes, and I'm sold, that this is a central component of the gospel. Believe is the word pisteuo, and it's often translated, do you believe in me? But it means trust. 
do you trust? Do you trust? Friend, what if I told you that every answer that you need is within you? Do you trust that? Do you trust that all the discernment that you would ever need is within you? Not because of you, but because the power which has been given you through the gift of the Holy Spirit that has been unleashed upon humankind. This is what changes Peter. And it not only changes what, the, what he's able to do with his actions, it changes his very trust that now he knows beyond knowing that Jesus is the Messiah and this gift through the Spirit has been given unto him. And so he can call upon this name in any circumstance, even in the circumstances circumstance where there needs to be healing. Friends, do we believe that? No, do we actually trust that? That this name of Jesus can bring about restoration in the very areas you fill in the blank. The very areas in which you need them. The power of Jesus to deal with a co-worker the power of Jesus to deal with when you've been hurt and what you've been bruised. Not to have to ask. You don't have to ask anymore. It's already been given. I say that tongue-in-cheek. It's good to talk to the Lord and ask God of what you need. But the answer is it's been given unto you. Not only power and not only trust, but we hear to tell into this story that this name is salvation. And for this particular story, the salvation that they're talking about is the healing of this young man. That this young man who was lame was as good as dead. But at the name of Jesus, Peter walks across this person and the person is begging and Peter says, I don't have gold or silver. It's in chapter 3. I don't have gold or silver to give you, but what I do have, I will give you. You know what that was? It was the name of Jesus. And you know what the, what the result of giving him the name of Jesus was? It was life. It was life. That when he gave him the name of Jesus, this man, whatever he had kept him from participating in the life of society. He was rejected. He was shamed. He was on the outside. He was incapable. But yet when the name of Jesus came from a very perfectly imperfect man, the power of that name restored this lame person back to life. He could now participate. And so when I say the name of Jesus, what I'm saying is Peter gave him life. Who who in the Bible speaks life? I'm thinking particularly about Genesis chapter 1 in which the word he speaks is mentioned seven times and it comes from someone. Is that Adam that it comes from? Who does it come from? Tell me, come on, church, preach. Who does it come from? So who speaks life in the Bible? Peter? No. (laughs) Peter, what does Peter do? He denies life. Three times he denies it. Completely incapable of doing anything good, Peter. Who speaks life? 
Who's Peter acting like in this passage? Jesus. And Peter is just like you. (laughs) The power to believe is our life. Life is another way to say salvation. Man, the power that the Holy Spirit gives us to believe and call upon the name of Jesus gives us the power to speak life like God. And the life in which we speak is salvation to those around us. The grocery boy is standing in the aisle trying to get down what he needs, not realizing that he has the power to reach within and to give that life to the people that sit before him. If I talked with you this week, it's because I'm preaching to you. This is my word to you. That maybe what God wants to do, if I had a chance to talk with you this week, it's I'm preaching to you. That maybe what God is wanting to do in your life It's for you to realize that the context around you isn't what needs to change first. It's you. (laughs) Do you believe that God will do what God said he would do? Did God call your family to die? Did God call you unto death? Did God call you unto fear? Did God call you unto suffering? Not the suffering of Jesus, but the suffering in which we are abused and oppressed and crippled. Or does God call you to life? Friend, don't you know? You don't have to go anywhere. That through the gift of the Holy Spirit and the power of Jesus Christ, there is life in Side you so call upon it. Do you believe that your home could be restored by calling on the name of Jesus? That God is forming and transforming your life to match your context so that you can now begin to bring your context into life. I get excited thinking about speaking life into this place. And speaking life into Lee's Summit. And speaking life into you. The greatest joy I had this week was sitting with you. I love that. There's not a time I'm not available. Within the week. I'll make a time. <laughs> I'll make time. I am available to you. And I love this. I want to speak life. I want to speak God's life. But it's not power for me. And it's not power in which you need to acquire. It's power that's been made available to you. That, that the veil that stood in front of the temple has been torn in two. And all of the power of God has flooded out into the world. All we've got to do is call the name. Whew. I love you, friends. The name of Jesus is made available to you. The name and power of our salvation. Praise be to God. Father, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be before you, Lord, and to be in the presence of your name. 
God, I know through a promise of what you've given me that all of this belongs to you. None of this belongs to us. And so God teaches your life. Father, make it bloom. Make it blossom. May we be witnesses of all the good things in which you're doing. Father, give us your power today, Lord, from recognition and revelation that your power lives within us to boldly proclaim, even in front of the temple guards, even in front of the high priest, to boldly proclaim your life. It's what you've given us. God, it's such a joy. Lord, bless this congregation. Spirit, sanctify us and set us apart for your mission in this world. Lord, it's in your name that we pray. Amen.